You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. Tips to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host, Marvin B., recording from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where we are in the middle of fall. That is right, folks. I said fall because the temperature when I woke up this morning was 57. Luckily, we got up to a high of 73, so life is still good. I still claim Florida to be paradise. I can actually say that because our good friend Sean Scott is visiting Florida this very week. It's experiencing the wonder of paradise. So that is that is how things are going this November 29th, almost into December. So Podnuts Pro is your podcast for business IT support, where we share product stories and tips all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. And today, basically, I think we're going to have story time. I've got a new friend with us. James Fair from Executech. James, how are you? I'm fantastic, Marvin. Thanks for asking. I appreciate you uh, for the invite. This is awesome. All right. Well, I should probably explain to the listeners why you're a new friend. So every now and then, I get recommendations, suggestions about people that should be on the show, whether it's somebody that's got a new technology or somebody that somebody else thinks, hey, this person sounds pretty interesting, and you are part of an organization out west – And when I say out west, meaning west of the Mississippi, (laughs) because I don't travel out west that much, uh, but you work for an MSP out there, and you guys are the largest MSP out west. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That That is indeed correct. All right. So I read that on your website, and it is actually one of the pillars um, that I think you guys have carried out in terms of your goals and objectives for the company. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. It was, uh, it was a big undertaking and, and still is. It hasn't slowed down much at all for us. So thank right. you. Now, I know the company's been around for a while um, and you've been there. What's it coming up on 10 years, 11 years, 10 years, the next month will be 10 years, sir. next month, 10 years. All right. Come up on a, on an anniversary. Yes, I am. Uh, that's a decade anniversary, a big one for me. Is uh, I don't know what the anniversaries are, but is that that's is that's not a watch. So what would that be? <laughs> oh my gosh, I've asked my wife. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, the business should give you something for that. And uh, all right, so you've been there ten years. Um, tell us real quick about Executech and how you guys got to be the biggest. Yeah, sure. So uh, Executech is an IT outsource firm. We cover all facets of IT. We consider ourselves an IT outsource uh, department. So, you know, we'll cover everything, telephones, networking, server switches, uh, security, you name it, we'll cover it. All right. And, so yeah, full-fledged MSP. Uh, full-fledged MSP, yes, sir. We, In fact, we recently added that cybersecurity group, so we we cover that as well. Um, as to how we got the biggest, uh, it was kind of like you mentioned, it was our vision all along to be the biggest MSP in the West. That's always been our thing. Um, and I would say we have a lot of focus on 
growth, certainly. That's a big part of what we do. Some of it by acquisitions, right? Um, expansion that way. Uh, we've also had a unique approach to IT. I think one of the, the things that have set us apart from others out here is we prefer to do a white glove approach. We're really about an on-site approach. And you may have a familiar model. I'm not sure, but um, we really believe in going on-site, meeting people, you know, forming relationships with folks. Um, and we will assign techs to clients and clients to technicians. So it's not some random person you get on the phone when you call. It's someone you know, someone that knows your network, someone that knows you, someone that's familiar with the challenges you typically have in your environment. And that's been a big seller for us. It, it really works well compared to, you know, a lot of folks get tired of calling and getting some random person on the telephone that they don't know or has to look up information on their account every time they call. Um, and then I would say we've even been pretty uh, successful at pivoting as necessary as technology has changed. You know, we all know technology has changed crazy. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to come tomorrow, but we pivoted when cloud started being a thing and we brought on that cybersecurity department. So we're, we're really big on making sure we're delivering the best bang for the, for the customer dollar. Um, and I would say we have a strong commitment to client success. In fact, we even spun up a client success team and that's their entire job is to make sure we are being successful with our clients. So I would say those are the keys that really helped us move the needle. All right. So let me go ahead and ask the questions that other people are thinking in terms of how big are you really and do you really assign a tech per client? Yeah, I we really try to, certainly. Um, sometimes two, sometimes four or five, depending on the size of the client and their needs. But generally, at least one primary technician will be assigned to the, to the client. So they'll have, you know, a salesperson who may get involved as necessary. They'll have a client success person if the client's large enough. Um, we're covered about 250 technicians at the moment across the West. Uh, we have 50 here in Utah. That was where we kind of started, but about 250 all in. All right. So Salt Lake City, I believe, is where you're at right now, correct? Yeah, one of the suburbs of Salt Lake. Yes, sir. Okay. And you go all the way from Washington State down to, what's it, Sacramento, California? Yep, Sacramento, California. Yep, we've got folks in uh, southern Utah even. We've got uh, a group in – a team, rather, in Colorado, uh, in Idaho, and uh, near Denver. So we're trying to – and in a big group, we just started up in Phoenix as well. So trying to land all the areas out here. All right. So you kind of sound – I don't want to say anti-MSP-like with uh, going on site a lot. I know that sometimes I get a little uh, a little pushback from people because, you know – I go on site all the time. I shouldn't say all the time, but I try to make it a point that I, you know, see my clients. And in fact, one of my clients, when I tried to bring in another tech, they got all scared. They're like, are you leaving us? <laughs> and so um, I just said, no, nope. just, you know, I'm busy, can't be everywhere at once. So trying to bring in people to, to assist and help out. But that's a big thing, going on site and seeing the customer. There's this tendency to do everything remote and support people from wherever you are. And my philosophy is, you know what, why not support my community? People I can see right here, there's you know, hundreds, if not thousands of businesses that could use support. And I certainly can't uh, do all of them, but I, I try to do my fair share. Yeah. It's, you know, there's some challenges to it. Certainly if, if someone departs, right, we had the great resignation and we were not immune to that. Certainly. Um, so that becomes a bit of a challenge. We try to double up consultants in, in a lot of, for a lot of clients, make sure that someone else is familiar with the network. 
Um, we do offer the traditional, we have a smaller department, a group that we do the traditional MSP, you know, we call, you get a team of people. Um, but that really has been a key to our success. We want to try to maintain that as much as we can for the clients where it makes sense. All right. Now, is it true that you guys don't push contracts with your clients? It is a hundred percent true. We have no contracts with any clients. Uh, the cybersecurity group, if they get involved there, some of the products are, you know, expensive up front. So we may require an annual contract with them, but for our IT services, our standard package, there is no contract. We are a month to month services only. And it, that's been some challenge for us, right? Cause a lot of vendors want annual uh, commitments from us or three so years to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Or three or many years. Yes. So we've had to make sure that whoever we work with is flexible enough uh, to, to be able to offer that monthly offering as well. All right. And I see from your website, you have a lot of different companies that you partner with in terms of products and services, multiple firewall companies and things of that nature. So it sounds like, you don't have a full single stack that you push out. So do you support pretty much everything that's out there or do you have at least, you know, certain ones that you support and others that you don't? Our, we like to think of ourselves as being able to cover all facets. We don't like to really pigeonhole any of our businesses or any organizations we support we know that every business is different and every business's needs are different. So we try to tailor the solution appropriate for the business. Now, that being said, we've been doing this a long time. We have a lot of clients. We know what's best in the business and we'll make those recommendations. But there are certainly some some owners of businesses who are like, I don't want to work with that vendor. And so we choose a different product. We generally have a primary go-to and then a fallback go-to. Um, so I won't say we have a particular tech stack. No, there's not like one list everyone gets. Uh, there are, like I said, recommendations we'll make. Um, but yeah, we, we consider ourselves kind of jacks of all trades because we have to know so many different facets of it. It's both a challenge and offers a lot of variety for our staff. All right. So then the question becomes, how do you balance all of that in terms of, you know, not only are you dealing with different clients that have different stacks, but you've got staff in different cities and trying to manage all of that. So, you know, for smaller MSPs like myself that may only have a few technicians, it gets kind of daunting for us. So, you know, how do, how do you guys handle that when you're dealing with so many differences? Well, some of it has been because of the acquisitions. For instance, we'll bring on, you know, a new acquisition and they may have a preferred product and we don't want to go in and dictate to them what they should, you know, that they need to pivot. Now we have, we have products that we know work better than others. And we have like in the case of ransomware, we're, we're very familiar with ransomware, unfortunately. So we know what's worked really well, <clears throat> excuse me, with that. And um, we will certainly encourage our acquisitions to go down that path. Uh, but having those other acquisitions has brought in experts in other products as well. So we have, uh, we'll do trainings. We're big on training here. We'll do lots of vendor-based product training. Um, we'll provide support for client, or excuse me, for consultants who are rolling those out. We have a projects team who needs to be well-versed in all of them. But we typically have at least a couple experts from each product available for anyone who needs it. That's a big key to our success with that, I think. All right. Now, you mentioned uh, the fact that some of your 
products have been because of acquisitions. So I assume that that's a big part of your growth is acquiring other MSPs and IT service providers. So let me ask the question. It's probably going to skip over a ton of others, but when you're looking at acquiring a company, what, what are the typical indicators that, uh, that you may have for that? Um, there's a couple things we look for. Uh, we want to make sure that they are financially sound. We're not acquiring companies that we have to certainly, you know, rip and replace anything within them. So we're looking for, uh, organizations that are willing to sell, right? Obviously that needs to be a first one, but they have healthy financials. Um, you know, I don't know what the specifics would be with that. I'm more of a, a technician myself, but we're looking for someone who, who is, who is doing well, who is fiscally well off. Um, and we're looking for culture fits. We have a, we're very strong in culture. We really believe in that people first mentality and being client focused. So we want to make sure our, all of our acquisitions are aligned that way. We probably will not consider buying them. All right. I should probably have said in the very beginning that your title over there at Executech is Senior Vice President of Technical Operations. So some of these questions probably don't fall directly uh, under your <laughs> guidance. So I apologize for that. No, that's okay. Ask away. I, I, I will get or find the answers if I don't know them. And I've been here a decade and, and been in most roles. So I'm pretty familiar with most okay. organizations, certainly. All right. Well, why don't we take this opportunity right now for me to stop with the uh, barrage of questions and, <laughs> and ask if you have any for me. I'm just curious what got you started in this podcast business, really. I mean, was there an event or, you know, something that sparked you to say, I, I want to go and educate the world a bit better uh, here? Well, I'm kind of the, let's see, I don't want to say the reluctant podcaster because I don't think you can be <laughs> uh, in that sense. I wasn't, you know, drug into the, into the business, but there was a gap when I first started listening to podcasts. It was probably around 2012, 2013. And I had been in the industry in a while, for a while. And at first I avoided them because I'm thinking, ah, I don't want to listen to some other Yahoo try to, you know, spout their knowledge about the job. But I started hearing some that sounded a little bit like me. And I said, oh, well, maybe I'll listen. And then right as I got hooked, a couple of them pod faded. Oh. And I said, that ain't right. And so uh, I heard about one organization that was looking for people to kind of come in and take over some podcasts. And I got involved with uh, a group called Podnuts. That's where the Podnuts Pro name comes from. And there was another gentleman that was doing a show that I would just help out with from time to time. But the pro show, which was the show that was really designed to help technicians get into business support, hadn't been around for a while. And so I convinced the person who originally started it uh, to come back and we started the show and then he quit on me. <laughs> so I was, oh, no. well, it wasn't, it wasn't like he quit, quit, but it was just something yeah. where his, you know, he got busy doing other stuff and he just said, well, you're doing a, you know, a decent enough job. Why don't you just continue it? And that's how I ended up with the podcast. That's awesome. I love it. How do you find the time to do it? Um, well, as you can tell, it's the middle of the day here and my office is, I just heard somebody come in and go out. So I don't know what happened, but you just, uh, you just make the time as uh, we can. So I should probably let the listeners know that you also have been involved in some podcasting. 
So yeah, I, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. I love, you know, uh, spreading the word. I love anyone that's doing that kind of stuff. We, you know, we need to educate people more about technology. There are far too many organizations who are not cybersecurity aware, who are not familiar with what's going on out there and that need education. So I love people like you who have a mission like this. This is awesome. All right. Now I know you've, you've been on several different shows, but your company has its own podcast. Um, is it, is it a podcast that was designed from the business to reach clients? Was it to reach other industry people? What's, what was your target with that? Yeah, it was really business decision makers is who we're, who we're targeting with that. We're trying to, you know, educate them on uh, what we do, how we do it, what they can do. And even folks that aren't necessarily our clients, we want to make sure that they're, we're we're doing our best to educate them on what it takes to be protected out there. All right. And do you get a lot of client feedback? Um, we get more traction from our webinars from them from our podcast, honestly. Okay. (laughs) But we're hoping to spread the word. Okay, so I ask that, and sometimes my clients will run across my podcast, and mine aren't designed for clients at all. Mine are designed for MSPs, computer repair shops, IT consultants, solo techs that want to get into business. So I have to tell them that's not for you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> okay, but it's almost uh, it's almost pretty good advertising because they see me as an authority. It's like, oh, you teach other techs. Yeah. I have to say, well, I really don't teach them. So I just provide, you know, a way for them to hear other resources um, in the industry. So that's a good I feeling. I suspect to- it helps you with, with staffing and employment, I would assume. Well, actually never looked at it that way, but it does help me with getting projects. So anytime mm-hmm. that somebody has, you know, a branch office or their client has an office that's, you know, down here in South Florida, they'll reach out to me either because of the podcast or the association. So from that respect, it, it does help. And it gives me, Excellent. it gives me the ability when I have somebody that needs help somewhere else, I have a pool of people that I can call on and say, Hey, I've got a, you know, an office that's opening up here. You know, can I get some boots in the ground? Yeah. They're available. Excellent. So, all right. So speaking of your podcast, so I have listened to a few, and I didn't listen to the last one, but I did listen to one recently. Um, you were so you're not actually the host; you just kind of pop on, and you're the talent. It seems like, uh, yeah. As far as talent goes, I, I, my talent is in is in leadership and, and tech. But yes, sir, I do my best. Um, so on that show, it was uh, I think it was called "What Makes a Great IT Consultant." And it was kind of fascinating to listen to it because I actually was thinking that it was going to be a little bit more general about, you know, what makes a good IT consultant and, you know, for everybody. But you guys seem to have taken it as the types of techs that you're looking for when you go to hire in terms of what makes them great. So in terms of the people that are listening here, even though most of my listeners are either you know, they either own their own MSP, Already, yeah. um, but they are looking for great consultants to to hire. So what are kind of, you know, some of the tips that you would, would give to them as to what to look for? Sure. Um, I'm always a believer that those that are not necessarily self-educated because higher education has its place. Absolutely. My wife's a professor. I have to say that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I, I really believe that as well. But uh, I find those that have some kind of a home lab environment, if they 
take the time to tinker around because we're working on production environments. We can't, we can't go mess around and see how things work and see how things interact and break things intentionally. So I find those that run home labs and home environments and take the time to go learn the things that they can't do on the job are typically far more successful than those that are not. So that would be my first recommendation. Uh, and I would also say that, uh, at least as it relates to our organization, we're looking for extroverted people. I ran a call center of guys. They were guys, guys and gals, I should say. Um, great technicians, but not necessarily people that want to be customer facing. And we're looking for consultants that do want to be. So we're looking for the extroverts um, or at least introverts that can have conversations that are willing to you know, have the tough conversations with people when it's necessary. And I have found in my experience, it's much easier to teach someone tech than it is to teach someone how to have a tough conversation with someone or how to uh, have a sit in a room full of C-levels and help them decide which you know direction their technology is going to go. So that's definitely a key for us as well. So as your position uh, overseeing technical operations, are you more involved in the processes uh, as opposed to, you know, being involved with the people in that respect? Uh, I tend to have my hands in most everything, okay. but uh, primarily people. Secondarily would certainly be processes. I meet with a bunch of technical leaders as we decide, you know, the products that we're going to use, how we deploy those products, how they'll roll out. Um, so I would say both, although my passion is definitely people. I really believe in empowering, uh, people in teaching the next leaders of Executech and, and other organizations, if I can, um, how to be the best that they can be for their team. I, I believe there's a ripple effect there. If I can create a happier leader or a more successful leader then I believe I can, their team's going to be happier and they're going to go home and their families are going to be happier. And there's a you know ripple effect to that. So this will be a nice segue into what I found on your website relating to values, because even though we've talked about, you know, you've got the mission to improve lives and organizations through technology, you've got the vision to become the largest and most trusted in the West. There's a big part of your value system that talks about people first and integrity uh, and ownership. So how do you really balance all of that against the technological stuff that the customers are really looking for? Well, we, I would say our primary focus is the people first. I think if we can start there, we, if we make it about the employees and about the clients, then the rest of it tends to follow suit as well. But we certainly focus on all of them uh, equally, I would say, except for the people first aspect. And that comes, that's our primary motivator in all cases. That's our deciding factor. That's what, um, maybe the decision maker in some cases. So yeah, that's primarily what we, you know, if you can, uh, empower the people, then they will, uh, empower their clients. All right. You mentioned earlier that when you look for text, you're looking for text that can have the hard conversations. So I know in a lot of organizations, the texts aren't the ones that deal with it. The ones that are, you know, I guess most organizations don't assign a tech or two to a specific client. So it's usually the supervisor, you know, right. <laughs> that, that has those talks. So in terms of that, do you look for those texts that are the direct relationship people with their clients? Do they have those conversations or, you know, do you kind of buffer them as well? Uh, I would say we're going to make sure that they're comfortable with it. So uh, we certainly have 
managers and or leaders present in the conversations, certainly early on. Uh, but we do believe in empowering and trusting our employees to do as they feel they are comfortable doing. So at some point we may, you know, attend a few meetings and realize that, uh, this person has it. We don't need to be involved anymore. Let's let them run with it. And we may, you know, depending on the size of the client, there may be a client success member involved. Um, but generally the consultant is the one driving the conversation. They are, they have the relationship. They are familiar with the people. They're familiar with the technological needs and whenever possible. Yeah, we're gonna let them run with it. All right. And then you mentioned that client success team earlier. Um, so is their primary objective to just keep the customer happy? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> unlike uh, a, that would be the short. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, unlike like a little, uh, I'm going to throw Comcast under the bus because that's always, you know, when you're trying <laughs> to, target. when you're trying to, you know, quit the services, Oh, let me get you to, to the customer success right, team. Right. And, Oh, the retention team, but it sounds a little different with you guys. <laughs> yeah, this, these aren't folks that you have to jump through seven of them to, before you can actually cancel. Um, for us, the client success is kind of the bridge between the technical and the non-technical aspects of what we're providing. So they will often sit with them during the quarterly reviews and may ask them the questions like, how is your consultant doing? Um, you know, what can we do to improve things? Uh, we'll, they'll help create an IT roadmap. Now that's done with the technological team, you know, it, along with them, of course, but that's also an, a, a facet of what these folks do. They're going to pay attention to budgets and uh, the people aspects a bit more than your tech does. Now, we're, again, we're looking for extroverted technicians who could have these conversations, but yeah, the client success is really all about making sure the client is getting what they need. Um, and it's another I guess it would be another point of contact for the client in the event that their uh, consultant for whatever reason isn't working out or isn't a match. Sometimes it's just personality conflicts. Um, so in that case, we have another layer, another person involved that they can talk to, that they can have a conversation with to let them know if they're unhappy or uh, want to go a different direction, you know, a different technology, for instance. All right. Sounds very interesting. So I'm just jotting down notes because I think that, I'm going to have to have you come back so we can deep dive into some of these areas because I think the, uh, the client success team is a good concept and the business reviews. Uh, that's something that we've had on here recently and something that I'm revamping here at my organization. So it'd be really interesting to hear people's perspectives on what they're doing for those reviews. And uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'm not ready to do it now because I'm in the middle of cleaning up my database because apparently that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, making sure you've got all the numbers correct for, you know, the products that you've got on site and making sure your, you know, your IT glue is all cleaned up and stuff because we're actually going to, well, the goal is to partner with them so that we can budget with them over the next few years. So I don't know if you guys do that, but I'll ask you about it when we can get you on. You bet. I'd love to. All right. So we've kind of jumped all over the place and kind of as an introduction, uh, getting you onto the show, hearing about uh, your company. And I'm sure people are going to want to know, you know, in terms of growth, you know, what is it that you have done well, you know, to really push that growth? Um, it, I really believe that that onsite consultant, uh, that white glove approach is the difference. I can't tell you how many organizations that what I've personally gone into and the complaint is 
I just talked to someone random and I experienced this. Uh, one of the, one of the organizations that I personally took over and oversaw for a while, they had a, a competitor of ours as their IT provider and they brought us on anyway. They were, they had money to burn and they were tired of this other company and they brought us on and I had to be the liaison. So I would call this other IT company. It was a really awkward position to be in. They didn't know who I was. I just, I said I was with their, their organization and I got to experience some of their pain. I got to see what it was like to call someone and, and get a level one person who I had never spoken to before, who didn't know me, who didn't know the company just to get a password. And they would provide me, they'd, they'd look through some notes on the account and it'd be a few minutes and they'd say, okay, try this password. And it wouldn't work. And then mm. they go, oh, hang on. And they look through some more notes and they come back and they say, oh, try this one. And it t- typically takes three or four times. So, you know, yeah. I, I appreciate you doing documentation because <laughs> folks like us know that that's a, a really integral part of what we do, despite how it looks on the outside, we have to really take care of that back end, you know, documentation aspect of things. So, uh, it really makes a difference when you have someone you know and can trust, uh, kind of like an IT person in your back pocket you can reach out to. That's yeah. really key for these organizations. Yep. Had that happen to me this morning, actually. Somebody called because they were moving computers, didn't tell us, and they're like, oh, we got to get their email up, but we don't know the email password. Oh, <laughs> All yeah, right. Well, let's exactly. get in here and let's get on. And, you know, so part of it was giving them the tools to reset it themselves, but part of it was just getting them pointed in the right direction. But yeah, they called and they were in a panic. And I'm sure if they had gotten somebody and said, oh, I'll have to call you back. You know, they don't like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When they're in a panic or, you know, it's payroll day or something's down. Last thing they want to hear is hang on. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So <laughs> when you guys have your, your text assigned, do you guys have like scheduled on-site visits or is it as needed yeah. or how do you how do you do that? So we have two types of clients. We have our, our maintenance clients, we call them, they're, because they're not contracted. Um, they do purchase a block of hours for the month. Okay. And we'll pre, we'll, you know, and they'll pre buy, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 hours, whatever that is for them. And then the consultant and the point of contact, they will work together to set a schedule. We'll typically leave a little buffer, right? Because there's always calls that occur outside of that schedule. Right. But generally, you know, like I took care of a, a construction company uh, just west of my home here, and I would go there every Wednesday morning for four hours. Uh, but it was great. I knew all of them. They all knew me. I was in their company directory. Right? We get invited to company parties, Christmas parties sometimes for these organizations. And when they succeed, we get to feel like we're part of that success too. All right. I'm just, this is going to sound horrible as a podcast, but because this is not a live show and I'm watching your, your background there, it keeps changing. So I just have to ask, uh, where are some of those pictures that uh, you're getting? Because that one looks like a very interesting mountain range with a highway that goes over a lake or something. <laughs> you know, it's because I'm wearing black and I am sitting in a black shirt or a black chair. Uh-huh. I, I need to change my shirt. That's the problem is the Zoom doesn't do very well with that. I actually do not know where this picture is. I just thought it was beautiful and amazing and I grabbed it to use as my background. Okay. <laughs> I can show you what's actually behind me if you'd like. No, that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can do that after the show. Okay, uh, and, right. and now yeah. that's a blur. So that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't help either, but there's a bunch of monitors behind me. I'm in my office, so I've got monitors everywhere. I have all six right. monitors in front of me and a couple behind me. And- uh, all right. So James, uh, 
that's probably going to do it for the first show here. Like I said, I'll just have to ask you back because we could we could go on talking forever. Uh, what'd you think? I was excited. This was great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, right. I guess I love what you do. I appreciate you allowing me to be here. And uh, yeah, I'd love to be back. This would be great, Mark. All right. Well, I have to say thank you to the person that reached out and said, hey, you should reach out to James. And uh, glad I did. You took the call. It was, uh, I'll, I'll say to the listeners, it was an awkward call, <laughs> if you remember. <laughs> it was. I agree. Totally. Um, but I think that, again, you're the type of organization that a lot of my listeners would love to hear from every now and then because, you know, again, some of them are small, but a lot of them are, are good midsize. They may have 10, 15 techs and they're looking to grow. So yeah. getting uh, experience from somebody that is, is as big as you guys, um, 250, is it 250 technicians or 250 people? Uh, I think we're at 250 people, 150 okay. technicians. Okay. Yeah. But I've, I've been through the growth aspects. When I started, there were about 15 people at Executech. So I am familiar with those growth stages and what's required to get there. All right. So that's a big, a big jump then in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll definitely have to talk about that. Excellent. So uh, let me make a big note here. Growth. <laughs> I look forward to it. And, of course, it was intended growth because, like I said, that um, – I believe was one of your, is it the mission statement on your site? Yeah. Be the uh, biggest and most trusted uh, MSP in the West. There we go. Yes, sir. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, James Fair with Tech, one of my newest friends in the MSP space and uh, somebody on the West side of the country that I don't get to. Actually, let me let me rephrase that. I have gone west of the Mississippi. I've been to Denver a couple of times, and you've been somewhat west. Yeah, I've been somewhat west. My my family started in Louisiana, so I've been there. Okay, and I've, I've been, been to New Orleans, and I've been to Nebraska. Awesome, this happened, please. But I'll I'll have to. I was supposed to make a trip out to San Diego a couple of years ago, but COVID ruined that. Yeah. But, and uh, our high was 54. That was our high. So your low was our high. So that was your high today? That. Yeah, yesterday, but yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it was warm for us for November. We're really? at 4,400 feet here. Yeah. So it's usually quite cold by now. That is true. Your elevation is up there. So yeah. We get to experience all four seasons, what it's worth. But some people, I, like I went to Hawaii and I spoke to this old gardener there at, at, the, at one of these museums and he was just confounded. He's like, what do you guys do with all that snow? How, like, how do you, how do you function when it snows? And I had to explain to him that we had big trucks that plow them. He's like, no, I'm like, no, really. We do. <laughs> so, well, let me ask you this, since we're now have gone the way of tech, the, the snow. So how, I know that people go there specifically to ski. Yeah. So I can't imagine that it's right there in Salt Lake city. So I mean, do you have resorts right there or do they have to go like an hour out of town up a mountain or anything or yeah, up that? a mountain there? So we're in a valley surrounded by mountains and right. the mountains to our east uh, are large. There are a couple of large canyons that go up there and continue to go up to 10,000, 8,000, 10,000 feet. And that's where all the park, uh, excuse me, that's where all the ski resorts are. Okay. So it's uh, from downtown Salt Lake, probably 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. But like from my house, I'm 30 minutes from one. And I have to imagine that the degree change is is significant to go up another few thousand feet, right? Oh yeah, 
yeah, it may be, it is not infrequent to see uh, warm, you know, well, warm for us down here, not warm for you, but warm for us. You'd be in a park, I'm sure, but warm for us down here and, and they're skiing and, you know, up there in the mountains. So yeah, definite, you know, 20, 30 degree difference for mm. sure. Wow. That's why I stay here. Come on up. I'll, I'll give you a tour. <laughs> my ski, my <laughs> skiing, my skiing's on the water here. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. All right. Well, James. I'm a scuba diver, so I can relate. Oh, okay. That's another show to, well, not that that's tech related, but maybe there's some uh, technical scuba gear we can chat about. Let's do it. Look forward to it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing to another episode of PodNuts Pro. You've just listened to James Fair with Tech. We'll be back with another show real soon. If you have any questions, any suggestions, comments, criticisms, whatever, head over to podnutspro.com. You can find all the episodes there. You can find a way to contact me and write in those thoughts or suggestions. You may suggest another person for me to interview or another company to learn about. And on behalf of James, the Peanuts crew, my family, who just had a wonderful Thanksgiving, I want to say thank you. That is going to do it. And until next time, holla.